Hello, 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 good day, and welcome to another episode, a bonus episode of After School History. I am, as always, your genial host, Anthony J. Ashitino, and I had been promising for a while that we would get the occasional bonus uh, posting. Now, during the school year, I am a teacher, so during this time, even though we're not in school here in New Jersey, nor in most of the United States and a lot of the world, um, you know, I still do have things that need to be done. I have to grade assignments. I have to I have to post assignments. So I I don't always have the time during the regular week to do it. However, since we have off today, because it is in uh, most of the the, uh, the Western world celebrated as Good Friday, I have this opportunity to bring to you guys a special episode. Uh, special because it's a bonus. They're all special episodes. Let's be honest. So some of them, apparently, a little more special than others. But, uh, you know, definitely something that I wanted to talk about today has been uh, something I'm a big fan of, and that is the subject of movies. Now, um, (laughs) I always love going online and reading, you know, uh, click here for a list of the top 25 movies of the last 50 years, because even though, even though there is a certain understanding of what makes a movie great. You have a tremendous amount. It's, it's, it's also a very subjective issue. There are some movies which I think are fantastic, insightful, witty, and other people just, you're like, this is terrible. I, I can't believe it. And then other movies which the same way. I'm like, just wasn't into the movie at all. It didn't do anything for me at all. And I like to think I have very good taste in almost everything. I have excellent taste in, in uh, cars, I have excellent taste in books. I have excellent taste in you know, food, uh, everything, many other things, which is a you know G-rated uh, uh, program here. Uh, PG at the most, but mostly G-rated. But anyway, the bottom line is that what makes a movie a great movie, and for this purposes, and I'm going to throw this out there so that I don't get booed all around, I'm talking overwhelmingly about American movies, movies made in America, I do realize and I firmly acknowledge that there are uh, some tremendous movies, uh, overseas movies, uh, you know, from from all over the world. Um, you know, no question about that. I just, if I went into that, if I started going into that, it would turn into, um, you know, a three and a half hour podcast. And, you know, it's an excellent thing. If you guys are interested, let me know if you'd like me to go over, because there are movies made in other parts of the world, uh, especially if you go into like Bollywood, Japan, um, you know, there are some fantastic movies made uh, overseas, you know, in the Arab world, um, some in Europe. But, um, you know, some I really like, uh, you know, Germany had a thriving film industry, you know, before the Nazis, like they do with everything else, screwed it up. Uh, but today I'm mostly talking about American films, which, you know, even if you're from overseas, the odds are you probably watched a good share of these movies. You've, you've watched a lot of them. And so, you know, one of my favorite questions, and I think it's the question to ask right off the bat, what's your favorite movie? I love getting asked that question. It's like getting asked, who's your favorite kid? It's really not a fair question to ask because it's like, well, you know, it depends on the day of the week. It depends on how old they are. With movies, you could say, well, what's your favorite movie? Well, are you asking me what's my favorite drama? 
what's my favorite comedy, what's my favorite, uh, you know, as far as the acting, the scenery, because depending on, you know, what you're asking, I have, there are a bunch of movies which I would consider favorite movies of mine. So, for example, I'm just going to throw a couple of things out here. Um, Anyone that knows me knows that, um, and I know I'll probably get booed by a couple of people for this, one of my favorite movies in the world and something I always talk about is Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia, uh, Sir David Lean, where are alive today? Sadly, basically everyone in that movie at this point is dead, um, which is understandable. The movie's, you know, out in the 60s, so it's, it's available. That's the movie that made me go into Middle East studies, um, which was what I did my um, undergraduate degree work in. I was a Middle East studies major. I studied Arabic. You know, I, I did it because I watched that movie and I was just so blown away by, like, this is what this part of the world is like. And I loved it. And, you know, either when I went to Egypt to live in Egypt for a year and I was there, I was studying for my master's degree in history and Middle East studies. Going out into the desert for the first time, it was just, man, you know, it was something else. Now, you know, over time, you know, I've come to understand that the movie was not perhaps the perfect portrayal of what happened. But it was a phenomenally done movie. Uh, the acting was second to none. Uh, you know, Peter O'Toole, who is one of my favorite actors of all time, I mean, he just... He, 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 find me a movie where he didn't completely steal the scene, and if you bring Caligula up, I will throw something through the internet at you. Um, that doesn't count. But anyway, you know, you, you, you look at him in, in almost everything, up until, you know, the last movies he ever made... Uh, Venus, you know, uh, tremendous acting by him. Uh, and he could be funny, he could be witty, he could be savage. Um, and his stories, <laughs> my God, if you get a chance, and you might have some free time these days, I want you to do yourself a favor. I want you to go on the YouTube, and I want you to get, uh, the, I want you to look up Peter O'Toole on David Letterman. And it's the one where he's got this, uh, he's older, and he's got, it's not one of his younger ones, he's older, he's got like a reddish jacket on, and and the white, uh, you know, the wings are coming out of the top. Oh my god, if you're not hysterically laughing by the end of it with his storytelling, you know, I mean, he talks about, you know, him out, out on the lash with his buddy, and, you know, they decided they were just going to have one last one. You know, it wasn't that late. It was only about four-ish. Letterman's, like, in the morning. Yeah, in the, yeah four in the morning. I mean, you know, that's the way we did things back then. Um, I mean, I didn't. I wasn't alive at the time. But, you know, that's the way it was back then. But anyway, so, uh, you know, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, another movie that's without question one of my favorites. And this movie challenges Lawrence, uh, honestly. But it's, it's a very different kind of movie. It's not an epic. The movie Casablanca. Casablanca not only has some of the greatest acting of any movie I've ever seen, you know, especially Humphrey Bogart, who could completely, uh, I mean, like, the, the looks that he gives at a couple of points are just de- devastating looks, and the way he's just such a, you know, a, a, he, he can be so vicious at times, and Ingrid Bergman, I mean, just absolute beauty, uh, Paul Omraid, um, you know, the way that the, the movie was, you know, and it's just, it's, it's a well-put-together movie when you consider, I think it was put together in, like, less than a week. Um, you know, and it was put together on sound stages. I mean, Lawrence of Arabia, by contrast, was filmed 
over in, in multiple places. This is filmed in Jordan for large, large portions of it. It's also filmed in Spain. Some of it filmed in the United Kingdom. But, you know, Casablanca, just a tremendous movie, a much shorter movie. Lawrence of Arabia, I believe, runs something on the lines of three hours and 46 minutes. Um, and Casablanca is, what, an hour and a half or so, give or take. So, you know, there you go. You've got two movies right off the bat. Um, another movie that's one of my favorites uh, in the world. Um, it's a John Wayne film. This is The Quiet Man. Okay, John Ford did a bunch of movies with John Wayne, and I know that a lot of his other work gets the credit of The Searchers, movies like The Horse Soldiers, you know. Um, personally, The Quiet Man. Again, I'm a sucker for scenery in a movie. I'm a sucker for these lush panoramic views and the movie has to tell a story. And you, you might have noticed something about these first three. Uh, even though, uh, it, well, in two out of the three, there were definite love stories. I would argue in three out of three, there were kind of love stories. But it, in Lawrence, it was a little more subsumed. It was a, it was a little, uh, you know, there were hints. Um, and there was a suggestion that, you know, him and, and uh, Sheriff Ali had a love for one another, not the love, the kind of love, like a romantic love in the sense, uh, just this love. I mean, you know, it's, uh, Lawrence's sexuality is something that continues to be debated today, um, you know, along with a lot of others of his life. And I've read multiple books uh, about Lawrence, um, you know, and, um, you know, it's a, a tremendously interesting individual, if ever there was one. But, um, you know, then, then there are other movies which... Uh, you know, now you're also going, wow, you're just like these older movies. No, 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 not so. Let me bring you up, unless when you say older, as I teach my kids at school, I forget that the early 90s for my students, uh, that's old, that's ancient times, okay? That's like, they're like, were there cars back then, Mr. A? Like, oh my goodness, wait a minute, there were TVs and you had movies? Like, oh, yes, we, we, we absolutely did. So when you jump into these kind of movies, you jump into things. Now, I'm going to say is what I feel one of, my, one of my favorites. And it kind of goes against a lot of, personally, what I believe about ethnic representations. But uh, the movie Goodfellas, okay? Um, tremendous. The acting, phenomenal. The quotable lines, ridiculous. And even though it is... I'm not a fan so much of mob movies. That's where I immediately go on to talk about The Godfather 1 and 2 and the great debate about which of those two was the better ones. And it's like, wow, you're not a fan of mob movies, yet you've just named three movies right off the bat that are some of your favorites. It's, it's the storytelling, okay? It's the storytelling. I'm, as those of you who have followed me at all, those of you who know me uh, through school or you know, in, in personal life, or getting to know me through my podcasts if you've listened to a bunch of them. And I'd like to think there are some people that really have listened to maybe all of them. I, I'm very big into storytelling. The way I teach history is storytelling. Th th I've talked about that in my other podcasts, you know, way back in the day. You know, that's how it was. People sat around and, and told stories, you know, uh, whether it was around the campfire, whether it was in the Agora, or whether it was, you know, wherever you were, you know. It was storytelling, and everyone wanted to make sure that their stories got heard and that they were represented the best in their stories. Um, so, but, I mean, Goodfellas, the music, first of all, um, 
you know, I remember this growing up, um, you know, because uh, my parents had different tastes in music, but uh, the first time I ever heard Layla by Derek and the Dominoes, I mean, from the first, from the opening chords, I lost my mind. And I was like, my God, what is this heavenly music? And then the individuals throughout the movie, you know, how, how it really just, it played out well. I mean, either The Godfather, Godfather 2, you know, um, and I know that's the great debate about The Godfather and The Godfather 2. And if you, if you haven't watched them, they're definitely worth a watch. You might like them a lot and watch them more often. You might be like, all right, I've watched this. I mean, they're, they're just, what I'm saying is they're significant movies, okay, because of the fact that they're, you know, they're, they're culture-defining. You know, when we talk about things, I mean, you, you, whether you've ever watched The Godfather or not, you've heard someone at some point in your life say, you know, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse, okay? That's The Godfather, all right? You've heard someone say, now go get your shine box, okay? That one might be a little bit more, you know, unique. But the thing is that these, these movies, you know, they become part of culture, Okay, and they become part of what we talk about every day. I mean, Casablanca's got a dozen lines, you know, that uh, you, you know, play it again. Uh, you know, he never actually said play it again, Sam. Uh, she can stand it, I can play it. You know, play as time goes by. You know, and that song has become part of our culture. Uh, so <clears throat> when we talk about these things, I also with The Godfather, for the record, um, I like The Godfather one better. Personally, um, I had nothing against The Godfather 2. Phenomenal movie. Tremendous. Great scenes. It's just a, you know, we have old saying in Latin, de gustibus non est disputandum, which means concerning taste, it can't be disputed. You can't really, you know, I mean, you can tell me, no, The Godfather 2 is better. Okay, well, that's fine. That's a lot of what we're talking about right now. What movies are better? What makes them better? For me, The Godfather 1 had some more memorable scenes. Um, I think it was, it was a little more focused. And, it, and it, it, was, it was more about... Godfather 2 almost seemed like you were trying to get the background uh, in there, you know, like a retrospective thing. But still, great movie. Wouldn't turn it down, okay? Um, <clears throat> and then we get into... We get into a tremendous amount of other movies. I mean, there are movies which I'm a huge fan of um, that... You know, I think are not as what we call some movies are called the cult movies. Okay, um, you know, movies that weren't really considered tremendous back in the day, but that over time developed like a cult following. People, you know, have taken more of an appreciation as time has gone by with it. Uh, one of my favorites, I, I do enjoy it so. Um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, based on the uh, Hunter's Thompson. A book, not for everyone. And if you're listening to me, and you're under the age of eighteen, uh, that's one that you're probably going to want to get parental permission before you see, because it's um, there's a lot of stuff that uh, you know would would not be acceptable to show in school. Um, other movies, you know, that were released, you know, close to the same time. Uh, two movies that are, that I think about Vietnam. You know, we have movies about. World War II. In the United States, and I've talked about this again in the past, World War I for us was kind of like, by the time we got involved in the war and got soldiers over there, it was, it was basically, you know, all, all over but the crime. World War II, number one, you know, Pearl Harbor, 
um, you know, the Bataan Death March, having to fight on two fronts, D-Day, supplying the Soviet Union, all of this stuff. So World War II, and because it's a much more recent war, is tremendously influential in the United States. I do understand and I have appreciation for the fact that in Europe, for example, World War I has a, a, a massive impact, um, you know, because it was for countries like the United Kingdom, for countries like France, it was a war that was fought over the course of four years, millions of deaths. I mean, the United States, yes, there were casualties, but not compared to World War II. And, and the other thing about World War II is we came out of World War II, we meaning the United States, we came out this mega power. So that's why you get these classics like the movie The Longest Day, um, you know, which is a basically, you know, they went through Hollywood and was like, all right, listen, I want you to write down a list of the top 20 stars in Hollywood right now, and we're just going to put them all down. We're, <laughs> we're going to put them all in the movie. Just get them. I don't care. Whoever they, put them in the movie. Let's go. Put them in the movie. Um, it's, it's a who's who. Of names, the name, the list of names is so long, but you know these movies showed us in a very, very heroic fashion. One of the things I always do when I, I teach history, in the middle school I can't do it as much as the high school because you can show a lot more in the high school, but I always show the 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 D Day landing scene, the invasion of Normandy scene from The Longest Day. It's about a ten minute clip that I show, and then I show them the opening scenes to Saving Private Ryan. Okay, same battle. Same scenario, same forces, absolutely different takes from the two movies. Um, you know, the Longest Day has guys, you know, running, cheering, you know, they get hit, they throw their gun up in the air and they fall down. Saving Private Ryan is absolutely brutal. Um, it, is, it is just ridiculously more violent, much more visceral, because we developed the change by the time Saving Private Ryan came out. We weren't so much in this whole gung-ho post-World War II period. And that's the thing about Vietnam movies, which we could bring up uh, right now. And I'll bring two up, um, both of which I kind of like. I like one a lot more than the other, um, but, uh, you know, either one of them. So, of course, there's Full Metal Jacket, and then there's Platoon, and... Um, both in that Full Metal Jacket is a funny movie because it basically is like two parts of the movie. There's the part before they go to Vietnam, and that's a completely different movie in and of itself. I mean, Arlie Ermey, you can't do much better of a job being a drill instructor than he did in the movie. Um, just absolutely phenomenal, and and the way that, that you saw uh, the breakdown of, of these guys and you know, then you get the the scene in in Vietnam. Um, platoon, platoon is different because I th I think the thing about platoon is Vietnam is seen by many Americans. Um, I think, all right, maybe not, but I'm I do feel that Vietnam was kind of a loss of innocence. I know people talk about oh, it's the first war we lost. Stop with that nonsense. It wasn't a lost war, okay? Um, it, it wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't a war. It wasn't like we were, you know, going out there, we declared war on the North Vietnamese, and then they ended up forcing us to the surrender table that we had to give in or anything like that. Yes, eventually, American troops did leave Vietnam. I'll get into this in a whole other episode about Vietnam that I'm sure will be totally non-controversial. But the thing is that in every major engagement in 
the Vietnam, the, we call the Vietnam War, um, even though, like I said, no war was declared. In every major engagement, American soldiers defeated North Vietnamese Viet Cong forces. The Tet Offensive was an absolute debacle for the North Vietnamese. Um, you know, and, and, and it's just, I'm not saying that because I'm trying to, you know, do the rah-rah U.S. thing. Uh, the bottom line was that the, the North Vietnamese had the right attitude. They had the right philosophy. Listen, we understand it's going to be long, but eventually they'll leave. We live here. They'll leave. And we did. After a while, on the home front, it became untenable. Not because everyone was hippies, but because, you know, at a certain point, you're just like, how long do you want us to continue seeing 200 body bags come back a week? Like, what's the purpose here? If we felt that the war was within a winnable distance, we would have done it. And that's where I think Platoon is the gem, because when he goes over there, he's this bright-eyed, bushy-tailed volunteer. He believes in the cause. And then you see throughout the course of the movie, he's broken down because there is no sense. There's, there's a sense. There's camaraderie, obviously. The soldiers all wanted to fight for one another. But even there, you get conflicts, what to do, how to treat the Vietnamese. No one asked the Vietnamese how they felt about this. No one really cared. Um, you know, none of the people that mattered anyway. Uh, and so, you know, you see the movie and there are some absolutely heartbreaking scenes, um, you know, through that, uh, you know, movie. I mean, and people bring up Born on the Fourth of July. I know it's a true story. It's depressing. If you want to be depressed watching a movie, then there's there you go. Bob's your uncle. But honestly, if you were going to watch movies... About Vietnam, I would probably, th- the first two I would throw out there really would, I, I would say, Full Metal Jacket and Platoon. And again, for both movies, if you're under 18, seek parental consent, because I don't want to get in trouble for that one. But if you're over that, you've seen them, and probably you've seen them anyway if you're over 18. I mean, they're two uh, classic movies about that. But <clears throat> when, you, when you get into, you know, a lot of these, that's where you know, people start saying like, okay, well, you know, what's a favorite movie? Well... <laughs> A favorite war movie, a favorite comedy, a favorite drama. I mean, there are so many of them. And there are movies where certain individuals, you know, just absolutely shine. Like, for example, The Last King of Scotland. I'm not a huge fan of the movie because I'm not a fan of, you know, just watching someone descend into madness and absolutely obliterate their own country. But Forrest Whitaker as Idi Amin... It doesn't get, he, he rightfully, and unfortunately, because I was really hoping that would have been Peter O'Toole's year, you know, he's been nominated, I think, seven times for uh, Best Actor, and, uh, you know, <laughs> failed to win it, because every time he ended up getting nominated uh, for Best Actor, he ended up running up against, like, someone like, I think the first, with Lawrence of Arabia, if I'm not mistaken, it was Gregory Peckin to kill a mockingbird. I mean, God, okay, that's, you know, just run up against him. And, you know, again... Much like Leonardo DiCaprio, the probably, shall I say, the, the best actor of maybe the last 30, 40 years? I mean, is that, that's, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe 20-some years, um, not because of Titanic. But a lot of the times in the Academy, they tend to view it like, oh, well, it's his first, you know, nomination. Oh, he's going to have a bunch of, we'll eventually reward him. Yeah, but sometimes it doesn't doesn't work like that. That's like saying, you know, it's a it's a guy's first appearance in the Super Bowl. 
you know, it's okay if he loses because, you know, he'll probably be here more often. No, you know, that's, that's not how it works. You know, you need to reward things. And I mean, Leonardo has just been, um, I, I mean, goodness, the, the phenomenal roles by that man. I mean, I know Titanic's the one. I had to go see that movie twice in the movie theaters. Oh, that was, that was, it was long. There was, there was decent enough acting and Kate Winslet, Kate Winslet is, you know, that's, um, I, I really, really like Kate Winslet a lot. I think that she's one of the great actresses of our time. I think her range is phenomenal. And I just, you know, I really like her. <laughs> so, but, you know, Leo, I mean, when you watch movies like uh, The Aviator, when you watch movies like Blood Diamond, I mean, he just steals the show. I, he's so fantastic in these movies. Um, you know, it's just, it's really, The Aviator, one of my favorite movies. Um, really, really good. Love Out talks about, I mean, it's a history also based movie. So, how, you know, how could I not like it? You know, and it's, it's funny, but it's, it's all so sad. Um, you know, and, and it, and it really hits home. So you've got, you've got all of that going on. And I mean, we haven't even really talked about, um, you know, comedies. I mean, I do like comedic movies. I, I like movies with uh, a little bit of comedy. Um, you know, one of my, one of my favorite movies, oh, The Life of Brian, Monty Python's The Life of Brian. I mean, I, I just, oh, my goodness gracious. Let me tell you, uh, Monty Python, if you know Monty Python, you know Monty Python. If you don't, you need to go watch it a little bit. But here's the thing about Monty Python. They're not always A+. plus. I mean, a lot of their stuff is kind of like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's funny, I guess. Yeah, that's cute. But the thing is that when they knock it out of the park, they knock it out of the park on the level that it, it just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, um, <laughs> the Spanish Inquisition, uh, you know, jeez, I mean, that is, <laughs> they're skit. Which I don't know why it's taken off of YouTube now, even with the, um, either on their own channel. Uh, you don't have to contact them about that, because that's just, I could just watch that, you know, over and over and over and never get tired of it. Uh, the whole, the whole skit, both parts to it. Um, you know, the life of Brian, he's just, you know, it's just so funny. There's parts of it, which are just so ridiculously funny. And, yeah, there are parts of it that are kind of like, all right, all right, move it along. Let's go. Come on, move it along. But that's the thing. That's the thing about movies and about gems, you know. It, it, doesn't, oh, it doesn't have to be one knock it out of the park uh, after another, you know. It, it can be a lot of different things, you know. And, and that's, that's one of the great things about movies, you know. You can appreciate certain things. Like I said, you can appreciate certain actors. Uh, you can appreciate certain scenarios like I said I'm a sucker for anything with beautiful scenery in it where they do like long panning shots like of the Irish countryside or of you know the desert um you know I, I, I'm a big fan of that I'm a big fan of 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 epics you know uh Braveheart I enjoyed that uh that's the one where we went a couple of us went uh, to watch a movie we were jumping up and down I think I mentioned that movies like The Patriot I enjoyed that movie. You know, Mel Gibson, 
Uh, obviously, man with some issues. But, you know, again, phenomenal in the movie. Heath Ledger, tremendous in the movie as well. Uh, you know, I, I used to show that. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis. Good God, I'll tell you what. Um, Last of the Mohicans is tremendous, even though it's very... It's a very dark movie, and I don't mean that in the sense that it's depressing. It's dark, meaning that, you know, it, it, there are so many scenes where it's nighttime, and it's almost like you want to turn the brightness up on your TV. Um, but I, I'll tell you, speaking of Daniel Day-Lewis, my God, Gangs of New York. And that's another one where you bring Leo in. And it just, oh my goodness, Gangs of New York... That's a movie where if I'm going through the channels and I see Gangs of New York and let's say there's an hour and a half left, I'm like, darn it, it's an hour and a half that I can't do anything right now except for sit and watch this movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. The acting is phenomenal. The, it, it's historically fairly accurate, okay, they do take certain liberties with things, but there's a lot of accuracy in the movie, um, especially centering around this, the Civil War and the, the, the uh, draft riots in New York City. But, I mean, just the acting is, I mean, it's just, it's through the roof. Again, Gangs of New York, please seek parental permission before looking at that one. Um, that's definitely, <laughs> I showed it one time in high school, and uh, my my in-class uh, Support. I I won't mention any names right here in case anyone's listening. But um, you know, a certain scene came on, and her eyes just went wide, and she was like, "Oh my goodness! Like, are are we okay showing?" And I was like, "No, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's all historically accurate right here." Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's another one that I could I could just watch it all day long, all night long. Um, and then the, you know, biography movies. Um. You know, I mean, look, I could talk about this all day long. Uh, Malcolm X, where you have the character. Now, Malcolm X um, is a movie where when I think about Malcolm X right now, I envision Denzel Washington as Malcolm X. It's, it's when I close my eyes and I'm like, Malcolm X, I see Denzel Washington. Um, a, an acting job almost unparalleled as an individual character from his characteristics, from his mannerisms, um, from the way he handled things, even his smile. And if you watch a lot of, you know, Malcolm's earlier stuff, you see it. You see how he he studied him, you know, he studied him so well. Um, <clears throat> you know, he was phenomenal in that. Phenomenal in the movie Glory. I showed that all the time. There was one uh, particular school, again, without naming names, where uh, someone made the silly choice of, of asking permission rather than seeking forgiveness. And, uh, you know, a, a free advice to all of you guys out there and gals out there, kids out there, it's almost inevitably better to seek forgiveness than uh, to, to ask forgiveness than to seek permission. Uh, because, you know, he asked, this, this one particular teacher asked if he could show glory, and he was told, Okay, but you can't show any of the violent scenes in the movie. Oh, oh, okay. But it's a movie about the Civil War, okay? About the first all-black regiment, the 54th Massachusetts, that fought in the American Civil War. <laughs> Just cut the violence out. Also cut any curse words out, because in the military, if we know anything about the military, it's that they don't curse, 
and there's no violence. So I was like, that's good. I was like, well, you, you'll only need a half of a class period to show the movie because, you know, four-fifths of it will be cut right out. Um, so, I, I mean, I've shown that movie, and I've, I've actually had... Uh, I've been observed while showing the movie, and, and no one had a, uh, had a problem with it. So, you know, I think you understand that at a certain age level, you know, there's an acceptable level of things that, you know, students can see. Not all of them, not everything, Okay. And, uh, you know, you get around to that. And speaking of that, I had the issues um, with, uh, there were two more movies. And I'll kind of end it with these two right here, just because otherwise this will turn into a two-hour podcast. Not that I would have a problem with that, but I try and make things easy on you guys uh, listening to this. Um, Holocaust movies. Um, there are two that come to my mind right off the bat, either though there, there are several fine ones. Uh, but the two, of course, are Schindler's List and The Pianist. And um, I remember one of the first years I was teaching U.S. 2, I was teaching uh, four classes of U.S. History 2 and one class of U.S. History 1. So I was like, we got to the Holocaust, and I was like, okay, I'm going to show Schindler's List. So for four periods a day, and a period was 47 minutes, I was showing Schindler's List. By the time I got to day three, I was actually becoming like visibly depressed. Like I would have students and people being like, everything doing okay, because they're just watching 47. I have to watch the scenes and there are some absolutely brutal scenes, okay, uh, in Schindler's List. I was watching them again and again and again. And don't get me wrong, I am a fan of that. Okay, I, I get into disagreements with some people, including certain administrators um, and parents, but I tell them, look, are we going to sort play? The Holocaust was a horrific, horrific event. Why are we trying to pretend that it wasn't? You don't want to see anyone, you know, even pretend that like, oh, well, yeah, these people died, but, you know, we're just going to mention they died. We don't have to actually show what happened. No, I am a very firm believer of showing what happened and... To further that point, I'm a believer that they're really, I mean, with very few exceptions, um, <clears throat> I think that uh, middle school is a perfect age to begin showing that kind of stuff. I, I, I don't have a problem with it because by that age level, kids understand the difference between life and death. And I think that people need to be reminded of how absolutely brutal and horrific what happened was and how absolutely evil these individuals were. And so I have no problem with that. Uh, the Pianist uh, is equally a fantastic movie. Schindler's List does, you know, probably, if you were to talk to most people, they, they put it above. It's become, I mean, you know, the, the, um, the acting in Schindler's List. Uh, Amon Gerth. Oh, Jesus. And, uh, you know, uh, Oscar Schindler. I mean, just the acting throughout was phenomenal. But The Pianist I always loved because I do play the piano myself. And, uh, and and listening to Spielman play, you know, and, and how that's kind of the one thing that throughout the movie, it keeps him going in a way, you know. When he sits down and he fake plays the piano, music, and I've talked about this before, how music can be so inspirational. Um, you know, we have like, a major holidays coming up right now. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's Passover, uh, you know, it's Easter, 
you know, the, the music that accompanies a lot of these holidays uh, is tremendous. And it's no different in, in the movies. You know, the movies, if they have good music, I'm a sucker for it, okay? And I mentioned that with, with several of them. If you're in Loathing had you know, music left and right, if you're into the whole 60s and 70s, uh, you know, little Jefferson Airplane and stuff like that, you know, you'll, you'll love that music. Goodfellas, music. You know, even a lot of these, these classics, you know, I mean, Lawrence of Arabia, great classic music. The, the you know, The Quiet Man, um, the, the, Ra- the Rakes and Mallow, you know, great, great stuff. Wild Colonial Boy. One of my favorites. I still get my daughter to sing that every now and then. Um, but anyway, yeah. So uh, with with the Holocaust movies, like I said, in, in years after that, I kind of alternated. I would show one class Schindler's uh, List, and then I would show another class The Pianist. You know, both of, both of them, real stories. Both of them, uh, you know, happen. And I think people need to need to get that. So... You know, there are a lot of other great ones. Life is Beautiful, uh, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Um, It always got me on the fact that people would be like, oh, oh, what a depressing ending to this movie. And I was like, it's a movie about the mass murder of six million Jews and another six million, you know, Roma and Soviet prisoners of war and dissidents, you know, political uh, homosexuals, Jehovah's Witnesses. Like, at what point did you think, wow, this is going to have a happy end. This movie about the Holocaust, I got a good feeling about how it's going to happen. No, God, just, you know, stop. Let, let, come on, move on. So anyway, um, it will definitely be interesting to see going forward, um, you know, how movies continue to be made, how they reflect the time, okay? You wouldn't have had a movie like Platoon or Full Metal Jacket, which were very critical of Vietnam. You wouldn't have had those movies made in the 60s or 70s when the war was going on. And they're very different than the way that movies were made about World War II uh, in the United States. Um, you know, as movies even overseas end up getting made. I mean, you know, as much as you might want to laugh about it, but you don't know, we weren't going to talk about foreign films. Godzilla. Godzilla was made because the Japanese couldn't believe that we actually nuked them. And it was like, this is such a horrific instrument of war. I mean, it was worse than anything which had ever been done. And the idea is we didn't even know what the devil was going to go on with it afterwards. I mean, hell, when we created the atomic bomb, it was like, I forget what the percentage was. was, They estimated there was a, a, a not insignificant percentage that it would ignite the Earth's atmosphere and turn the Earth into a ball of fire. And we were like, no, all right, that sounds good. Let's go ahead with this. And Godzilla was this idea of, you know, how, well, you know, what happens if you don't know what, you know, you, you've now let the, the monster out of the box, you know, the genie's out of the bottle. You know, what's going to happen here? What if it does, you know, turn sea creatures into crazy things? We don't know what the long-term effects of radiation are. You know, we didn't then. So, anyway, um, last but not least, I'll just bring up one more here because I, I didn't want to leave it, uh, I didn't leave it out, uh, the movie Interstellar, um, which I thought was, uh, really phenomenal, but I'm a huge astronomy fan, and, uh, Matthew McConaughey, I mean, the man, the man could sell ice to the Eskimos, as we say, um, he's, he's just phenomenal, I mean, if you watch this, commercials, uh, you know, for Lincoln and, 
And then, of course, you know, for Wild Turkey, you know, he's a brand ambassador for them. I believe he still is. So, uh, really, you know, bringing stuff to the people. Anyway, uh, I'm going to put out another episode in a couple of days. But in the meanwhile, I'm hoping that maybe some people will get a kick out of this episode. Will join it. Please do feel free to send me over information. What movies you think I left out? Um, what you liked, what you didn't like? Let me know. I'll respond to anything. I always do. And uh, hopefully, wherever you are in the world today, you're staying safe. And, uh, you know, hey, what better time, right, to watch a few movies? Unfortunately, we're not going anywhere. Not for a little while. So hopefully I, uh, I, I see that a bunch of you guys liked it. And, uh, you know, like I said, um, stay safe and, uh, and stay in place. All right? We will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.